Hello and welcome to the very first episode of The Camera Report, brought to you by WaterfootFilms.com. The Camera Report is a movie-making podcast by filmmakers for filmmakers. I'm your host, Sean Malone, and I'm very excited because our inaugural guest is Suzanne Lloyd, granddaughter of silent film legend Harold Lloyd. The goal of The Camera Report is to inform and inspire a new generation of filmmakers. Each episode will feature a distinguished guest from the world of cinema, cinematographers, directors, and other craftsmen and women, and sometimes, in the case of Miss Lloyd, experts on film history. My hope is that as the show grows, each guest will share their own special insight into how they learned their craft, how they got where they are, and how young people coming up can do the same. Miss Lloyd is kind enough today to share some of her grandfather's experiences in the early days of the film industry and what it was like growing up with him. Harold Lloyd stands alongside Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin as one of cinema's most influential early filmmakers and silent film comedians. Harold's movies have been loved by generation after generation and continue to inspire young filmmakers, myself being one of them. Suzanne was raised by Harold and her grandmother, Mildred, and when Harold passed away in 1971, she became one of three trustees of Harold's estate at the young age of 19. Today, she is the sole trustee of that estate, and she travels all over the world promoting her grandfather's work and legacy, working tirelessly to see her grandfather's films restored to their original grandeur. Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Sean. It's my pleasure, and thank you very much for being a, a fan of uh, Harold Lloyd's. And, and that's my pleasure. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your job and what you do in relation to Harold Lloyd's estate? Well, as you just mentioned, I'm actually his granddaughter, and I had the privilege of growing up with Harold for 20 years. I lived with my grandparents, Harold and Mildred Davis Lloyd, Mildred being actually Harold's second leading lady, uh, whom he married after making his famous film, Safety Last. So I was kind of grew up in the business, shall we say, and um, I was kind of, I was trained in a very Machiavellian way, I guess, more I look at it now that I have two children of my own, I was kind of put in, trained to handle the family business, which was, which is the Harold Lloyd Library and Harold's works of art, his films. And also his massive 3D, he was a 3D still photographer, so his 3D still library that has over, you know, 200 and about 250,000 stills. Uh, so I've been doing this since uh, 1972. Right. A long time. When were you first aware that he was actually an international film star? I really think I was about nine years old when he showed me a preview for the press of World of Comedy, and that was like 62. And um, I saw it down at the Samuel Golden Studios for a, pr a press call. And the press came to me and said, oh my gosh, weren't you just like petrified to see your grandfather up there on the screen and hanging off those buildings and doing those crazy stunts and, and chasing after you know, the fire trucks and riding teams of horses. And I said, well, I was really scared. And I said, when he was, that guy was on the building, I was really scared. And I said, my palms were sweating. And I said, but the only thing I kept doing was turning around. And I said, daddy was sitting right behind me. And he looked <laughs> like he was okay. So I was just worried that if he was, if, if he was okay, 
the person I knew was, you know, daddy. I didn't care. I knew that that other guy might be okay. So it's sort of, I guess it was sort of like watching the end of a movie and then going back and watching the beginning and, go, oh, I, he's going to be all right. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's kind of how I realized it. And then at that period of time, he was very involved in running the Shriners hospitals. And he ran 22 of them, and he was very proud of that. And he also was running the Three Burns Institute, and he was shooting his 3D photography, which was a great passion of the second part of his life from 1947 till the day he died in 71. And plus he was very involved with my friends, my school friends, and my activities, and coming to school plays, and traveling with me, and taking me on lots of trips, and showing me museums, and taking me to concerts. Of course, my my girlfriend thought it was very cool when he decided to take me to the Beatles concert, first Beatles concert at the Hollywood Bowl and the Stones concert and everything else. And he took me to meet the Beatles. That was very, very cool. But you were too nervous to say anything, I understand. Yeah, I was too nervous <laughs> to say anything to the Beatles. And they were kind of nervous in meeting him. They just kind of looked at him like, oh, my. Well, um, let's talk a little bit about Harold's wonderful movies. He made over 300 films, but he's probably most remembered for the glass character. Yeah. Can you tell us how Harold came up with this character? Well, he basically, Sean wanted a character that he was playing. His first one was Willie Work, and that was a very kind of Chaplin-esque character. He, he had all really tight clothes and a split mustache and a little hat and big floppy shoes. And he went, oh, no, that wasn't really for him. But then moved to a character named Lonesome Luke that was kind of more of a shy, bashful boy in regular clothes, kind of a flowing necktie. But it didn't have any real definition to him. But in those days, all those comics came from, you know, Chaplin from the music hall, Keaton from Vaudeville Music Hall, and they all kind of had to have a hook, whether Buster was a stone-faced chaplain that had his, you know, mustache and cane, and he was the little tramp. And Harold knew that they all kind of had to have a beard, or funny hair, or... And he um, really wanted to kind of be somebody in real time in a real scenario of a real person, and when he saw a Parson play in a movie early on, about 1917, he went, oh, that's interesting. This guy's wearing glasses, and maybe that could be it. I could take glasses and apply them to anybody and anything. And at that point, glasses kind of meant you were a little nerdy. You know, you had a disability or you had a handicap. You couldn't really see. It wasn't hip to wear glasses. Yeah. And so he made glasses popular, but he wanted to be a real person, which was completely different than, you know, Charlie's the tramp and, and the stone face. He was the regular guy, and that was what he created. He took something very ordinary and turned it into kind of something special that people could relate to. I mean, wouldn't you rather talk to Harold if you were if you line them up and go, okay, now you got to be friends with one of these guys. You got to be a friend with a tramp, a friend with a stone face, or here's the guy with the glasses who's kind of like, well, he looks like he could be kind of amusing, you know, like at least he'll talk back to me, right? <laughs> right. 
you go, oh, well, I'd rather talk to that guy. Well, you touch on something with sort of the ordinariness of his Glass character that is especially prominent, I feel like, in Safety Last, and the reason why Safety Last works so well, and mm-hmm. that is you've got this guy who's climbing this building, and of course he's the everyman, and you know we know that, but when he's hanging from the hands of that clock and his hat falls off, Oh, yeah. And you know that, you know, there's just one loose grip away from him and and death. And that's it. Exactly. And I know that Harold was, you know, he talked a lot about how the things that happened to his character could really happen to someone. Oh, no, that was it. After now, and I, I know you have probably a lot of listeners that don't know about Harold, but Harold was severely handicapped physically in a horrible bomb accident and he lost his thumb his first finger and half of his right palm and in the beginning he was blinded in both eyes and they said we think your sight's going to come back definitely in your left eye maybe not all in your right and he also had some facial burns on his face that they said well we think your face is going to heal but remember in 1919 they didn't have antibiotics the way they have now or salves and things so um, he had a mental situation and a physical situation that he had to get around before he could reinvent that character and he was shooting a movie with his brand new leading lady his third movie with her called Haunted Spooks who ended up being my grandmother eight months later he went back in front of that camera and picked up the same scene from the day before when he lost his hand and luckily his sight came back his face did not really scar I mean it took a while to kind of heal back but his hand they found a glove to put on his hand that Hal Roach figured out with Sam Goldwyn's uh, brother who owned a glove store in New York who was in the glove manufacturing business and then later on Wally Westmore made him a real prosthesis for his hand and he wore gloves because he didn't want anybody to know that he really had been injured and he didn't want to have that. So he covered it up and continued on in his film career. And that's exactly how it progressed. So the building in Safety Last and Feet First and what he did in Girl Shy with the chases, what he did in Kid Brother, I mean, amazing. And think that he was doing it with half a right hand. And and the amazing thing is his most amazing feats that he performed were after that accident in his films. Yes, the most amazing feats were after that accident. I have a list here, Suzanne, of what many consider to be Harold's finest films. Um, And I've also, I'm going to read the year that they came out. Okay. Grandma's Boy, 1922. Safety Last, 1923. Girl Shy, 1924. The Freshman, 1925. The Kid Brother, 1927. He had an extremely prolific period of just one amazing film after another. I mean, you talked about his drive. Um, but he, he just had a drive, and he loved doing it. And I'll tell you what, he loved doing it. He had great friends. He had great writers. He had Sam Taylor, the writer-director. He had Clive Buckman. He had his same you know, cinematographer Walter Lundin. He kept a whole crew working, whether they were working on a film or not, or just preparing a film. He had a studio that he started in 1923, right after Safety Last. He made Why Worry. He was setting up the studio then. Girl Shy was his first film out of Harold Lloyd Corporation. He loved making movies, and he loved being with those 
with his family, quote, kind of working family that he had, and he loved making films. What did he and what did he love about making films? What was He just loved, I think, the energy of it. He loved acting and he was fascinated with, you know, the movement of it, the cameras, the producing, how it fit together, how they could all work as a team, the synergy of it. He he liked the whole aspect of it. And the freedom that he, you know, at that point, he could pull his own shots and do what he wanted. Later on, the studio system kind of hampered him down because he couldn't make a, just a split decision and change something. would have to go back into, you know, either the text or the script or having been to be rewritten when it got to talkies. But on the other hand, how for his, his thoughts of moving forward that when he made his last silent film called Welcome Danger, I have a version, a silent version and a sound version. And he put made the sound, the silent version, was going to put it out and walked into theaters and heard how people were laughing at fried eggs and a train going through a station and babies crying. And he said, I got to change this whole scenario and make this movie coming out to be my first talking movie. So you... So uh, nothing really scared him. I take it you've screened the silent version of Welcome Danger? I have, and I put a, a brand new score on it by Robert Israel, and I'm actually going to be uh, premiering it on Turner Classic Movies. Really? Mm-hmm. That That's wonderful. You're uh, the first to know that. Oh, wow. Well, that's I haven't a... done an interview since I... We decided to do that. That's so. a real privilege uh, to to be the first to hear about that. Um, when when is it going to air? Do we know yet? No, I do not know when it's going to air. Okay, but well, it that's... has a great score by Bob Israel. It's been shown at the Film Forum and it's been shown at UCLA here, but it's never been broadcast. That's I mean that's got to be very exciting, um, not only for you but for Harold Lloyd fans because it's almost like seeing a brand new movie. Mm-hmm. Well. This this show is called The Camera Report, and it is, to a certain extent, geared towards cinematographers. Well, Harold loves cinematography, as you can see, of his use of cameras from Grolshaw and putting the camera in the, in the street, to also, like in Kid Brother, when he put the camera up the tree and, um, you know, did a frame and an elevator block to... Um, be able to shoot him climbing the tree in Groshai, I mean in uh, Kid Brother, saying goodbye to Mary and coming down in, in, in Kid Brother. And the tracking shots that he, he came up with so he could move the camera with him down the river in Kid Brother. I mean, he did, and also, I mean, you know, how, did, how he shot Safety Last in 1923 was having, you know, his cameraman and his loader, which was, you know, the three of them were crazier than anything. I mean, he had two people that had to be out there shooting him, you know, and people say, well, you know, how is he doing that? Well, he had two other people that were out there with him, Walter Lundeen and his assistant, and there wasn't anything for them to really fall on except one little single mattress, and that was pretty death-defying for all of them. But he had to learn to be able to put the camera in different angles to shoot it, so in some ways it looked, uh, it could show and emphasize the height of the building and where he was on the building, 
and to be able to shoot it between the hours of time so the, the, the shadows matched up shooting that scene. I mean, that took three months to do that. You know, it was very hard because you had to have the same light. Well, you mentioned Walter Lundin. He was Harold's collaborator for, from what I can tell, his entire you know silent film period. Yeah. Um, can can you tell us a little bit about Mr. Lundin and and Harold's relationship with him? And they, I just know that they loved working together. But you know, you see, this is hard for me because I did not know him. Sure, sure. Some things I just can't answer because. I just wasn't there. Well, just to say, I mean, it's obvious simply from watching the films that both Harold and Walter Lundin were skilled professionals in regard to camera mm-hmm. work. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, when you look at Harold's films from the 1920s, I mean, they're some of the best-looking silent films that were made in terms of photography. The lighting was just magnificent. Yeah. I must say that cameraman's lighting was very good. Let's play It's a Wonderful Life for a moment. What would the world of cinema be like without Harold Lloyd? Well, I don't think you'd have romantic comedy. And somebody who actually gave you the most iconic vision, whether they know him or not, which is very interesting. Everybody knows Chaplin's name by Chaplin. But him hanging on the image of him hanging off the end of the clock is probably the most iconic photograph in cinema history. And people don't know it's Harold Lloyd. I think that and his becoming the regular fellow and taking a comedy character that was very, that was comedic, but more of a grotesque comedian in the form of not being real and him putting character base into a comedy character is what he did and gave to the industry. Let's say that I'm unfamiliar with Harold Lloyd and that this podcast is piquing my interest. Where Where do I start? If you wanted to start, you could go and rent something off of Netflix or you want to just sit down and laugh. I think the Harold Lloyd Comedy Collection DVD that you can find on Amazon or uh, Movies Unlimited and buy the collection, it's a great way to go. You've got 28 movies there. It's beautifully done. It's all restored with brand new scores. There's a lot of information of Harold there. There's four and a half hours of bonus features and that's a great way to go. Or uh, you can... As I said, uh, run it and download it off of Netflix. Well, Suzanne, we're so happy that you came and joined us today here on the Camera Report. I can't thank well, you thank enough. Thank you. Thank you. And I hope everything is great. I'm thrilled that I was the first person on the Camera Report to speak to your listeners. And I wish you all the best. And congratulations on this. And I hope Harold will, I think, hopefully, Harold will obtain some new fans. I think so, too. And speaking of which, um, if anyone wants to learn more about Harold Lloyd, they can visit www.haroldlloyd.com. And and Harold also tweets, does he not, Suzanne? He does. He tweets. So you can Um, see him on Twitter. You you can go to Twitter uh, and... The Harold Lloyd on Twitter.com. The Harold Lloyd on Twitter. Amazing. Yeah. Well, again, many thanks, Suzanne. Uh, It's been so enjoyable and... um, Hopefully we can maybe speak to you again sometime in the future. Thank you. We'd like to once again thank Suzanne Lloyd for being with us today. Visit www.waterfootfilms.com and click the camera report to learn more about the show and to get news about upcoming guests. I'm Sean Malone. 
Thanks for listening.